0: The talk of the street is brought to you by Donahue Solicitors an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police data breach personal injury and professional negligence claims To start your compensation claim go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 8000 124 246 today well, fine. you have a go is clever well, I would but Tracy's got me under the cosh. I've got to take it. See some band I've never even heard of. Well, you could always be stuck in here with a bunch of one-legged prawns. Oh, my! But tonight was my chance to make it up to Sal. Well, mate, if it means that much to you, then maybe we should swap wives. No, you numpty, shifts.
1: And welcome to episode 84 of the Talking Street, an unofficial Cornish Street Catcher podcast that hasn't had a clue what day of the week it's been since I honestly don't know when. I'm Gavin.
0: And I'm poorly.
1: Oh, you're poorly again. I am Oh, oh what a shame.
0: You're sick on vacation. A wee bit. You were kind of snuffling and stuff.
1: Are you putting this on? What? Because you sounded fine before we started recording. <laughs>
0: I'm not putting anything on. Oh, dear.
1: And it's ex- the extension of a middle digit in my... Oh, and now the index finger has joined the party. <laughs>
0: cold? Uh, you were, yeah, you were sick.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you but are cold.
0: Yeah. And then we had some room issues, let's just say, <laughs> of one of our last nights on vacation and I started to get poorly immediately after that, and was poorly all the way home, and then yesterday I was just, I was gone.
1: Shall we start by saying what a wonderful vacation it was? It really was. So good to get away and just relax and not do anything.
0: Absolutely. This, but see, this is the thing that sucks. I was like, oh yes, we get to go away. And do nothing and just read books and mm-hmm. eat good food and relax and nap.
1: We did lots of that.
0: And I will be all nice and rested for when we get home. And then I'll be able to just jump in with both feet and get so much done as soon as we get home. And what happens?
1: <laughs> yeah, none of that happened.
0: So, you know, all that, all that good resting up and recharging of my batteries was for nothing. Because now I'm all stressed out because... All the stuff I wanted to have done by today haven't gotten done. Oh well. Yeah.
1: We saw Stephen King's house though. We did. That was good. That was fun. Oh, big house. Yes. I don't know why I'm surprised at that but it was a pretty big house on, like on a, just a regular a normal street, street. <laughs> In
0: Just a normal street. You can drive down. He's got neighbours. The house across the street's for sale.
1: 300,000 for a five bedroom, three bath. Yeah. 2,500 square foot. Yeah, doesn't seem that bad. No, pretty Could probably impressive. get a mortgage for that. Probably.
0: <laughs> We're not moving to Maine, no, though. no, no. <sighs> oh, and we got new tattoos.
1: Mhm.
0: Yay! I have
1: a tattoo of the Great Lakes that looks like someone's throwing watercolors at it inaccurately. Yes. I rather like it.
0: Yes, it's very pretty.
1: It's a bit scabby at the moment. <clears throat> yes.
0: And I have my children's names in Galifreyan. On my calf, as you do. Yes, I do. Such a nerd.
1: I guess there's nobody in the world that has that tattoo. No. Apart from you.
0: Nope. Nope. Because nobody else in the world has three children with the names. Or
1: gives a shit about Gallifreyan.
0: <laughs> I'm not the only person in town with their children's names in Gallifreyan tattooed. Oh, who on did them. you copy? I didn't copy him. It's just that a friend of mine who also plays Pokemon Go has mm-hmm. his. <laughs> Has his his son's name tattooed in Gallifreyan on his arm, but he also has like stars and swirly stuff and everything around it as well, which I don't. Mine is just the Gallifreyan circles and stuff. Oof.
1: Pretty dull.
0: Yes, and I was all excited when I saw it the first time. I was like, "Oh my god!" I had the same idea, and I showed him on on my phone and stuff. So he's had another kid since then. I don't know if he's gotten
1: sore hotels then. <laughs> but a real nice place in Maine.
0: Yes, which a was haunted. A
1: haunted inn.
0: It was awesome. The monitor um, at the bar kept turning around on its own when we were sitting there and, and flashing me in the face, and I kept turning it back around, and it would turn around again, all in its own.
1: And yet, when we asked the, the barmaid if she'd had any paranormal experiences, oh no, she said no. <laughs> well, what about that time that? What about that time last night <laughs> when your iPad square payment thing kept, kept turning, on, turning around on its, in its own?
0: But she did tell us that there had been a suicide there, like, was it five years ago or something?
1: Which seven, I think she said.
0: Which was not, you know, I couldn't find any record of that anywhere. Afterwards, but yeah, all, all, all I could find was stuff about this, this uh. This guy back in the 18th century who supposedly walked in on his wife and a dude, you know, doing the deed. And so he killed them.
1: Buying real estate. Yes.
0: (laughs) Buying real estate in room eight, which is supposedly the most haunted room. So he killed them. And then he went to room five and and killed himself.
1: We were in room 25 25. in the the new wing,
0: which was fine. (laughs) And supposedly there's a piano in a hallway somewhere that plays itself. But we couldn't find a piano anywhere.
1: No, I did feel a little uh, chill down the back of my neck when I was getting the ice one time. But I don't know if that was the ice.
0: Yeah. And, and did you feel that before or after I told you it was hot? Oh,
1: after. Yeah. I was, I was <laughs> fine before or
0: Actually, now that you mentioned the ice, you did say before I told you, when you came back, you're like, it's a bit spooky out there. You said that before I did told it? you, yeah. Because the room that was that beyond the ice it.
1: machine was in darkness and you could just see some tables that were in there. Uh, right, yeah.
0: It's like the party room. The storage room or Ball something.
1: Ball But it did make me think of The Shining a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. And then our
1: hotel after that, I made the fantastic mistake of booking a smoking room. I don't think you could get smoking rooms anymore.
0: No, I was really surprised too. And then they insisted that they didn't have any other rooms, even though the place was dead. Yep. And there was black mold in the bathroom, on the bathroom ceiling, and there a were d- stuff. dirty diapers in the parking lot. But <coughs> this was a <coughs> hotel we've been, this is a hotel we've been to many times before, and it's been fine, so... <sighs> Never again, though. Never again. Never again. And we won trivia. We played trivia at the Jealous Monk in um, Mystic, Connecticut, and got second place.
1: That's 30 bucks.
0: 30 bucks. <laughs> to spend, you know, the next time That's we're there. Hour. That was, a good that was I pretty enjoyed sweet. That. And, and then we got uh, we got the 30 bucks and then we got uh, some salted caramel Milky Way bars which I ate while we watched um, Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper
1: Yeah, I got not a get sniff of that, whatever it was. You
0: Slowly drugged.
1: Just consumed a whole lot.
0: Yes, I did. But you drank all the monkey shoulder, so. I thought you had one. Nope. You had one? Nope.
1: Oh well, I had it all then. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. <laughs>
0: That's fine. That's
1: our tradition is monkey shoulder uh, and Hogmanay. And New Year's, yeah. Well, Happy New Year, everyone, by the way. Yes, day.
0: Happy Hogmanay. And we're back. Yes, we're back.
1: Which killed us last year. Oh, uh, well. Didn't. Nope. <laughs> shall
0: Don't we, call her a comeback.
1: Shall we preamble, Amadea? Uh, yes, please. How about some festive Cory news, hmm?
0: Ooh. Festive Cory news. Festive Cory news. Hi ho, the of That's not even a Christmassy song. I'm singing The Farmer and the Dell, and not even a Christmassy song about. Anyway.
1: Moving very swiftly along.
0: Too much NyQuil. Uh, Catherine Tildesley has. Tildesley No. <laughs> See, I was really good at did say Tildesley Dale this time. I
1: must Tildesley Dale. <laughs>
0: It's moved on from dancing to quizzing, appearing on Who Wants to be a Millionaire Celebrity edition and doing Ooh. quite well for her charity. How did she go on? She did quite well for her charity.
1: <laughs> so you don't know how much she won?
0: Nancy didn't mention it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm too sick to look it up.
1: Thanks again to listener Nancy for <laughs> is this the third week on the trot? Corey news has been provided to you, thanks to Justin well, Nancy. Partially. Thanks, Canadian. Partially. I'm not sure.
0: Partially. I didn't use all of her tips this week, but I did use two. Two Corey alums, Kevin Kennedy and Susie Blake, appeared on the Mrs. Brown's Boys Ooh, Christmas special this year. What a
1: heap of shite that program is. <laughs> I absolutely hate I it. don't
0: think I've ever seen it. You don't want to watch it.
1: Uh, Some a man dressed up as an old Irish woman. So it's like says feckin' a lot. So it's like the <clears throat>
0: Scottish version of Tyler Perry,
1: right? Yes, Irish,
0: Irish version, Irish of Tyler Perry.
1: Yeah, it's she, she breaks the fourth wall continually, and what apparently passes for humour.
0: Oh, uh, like Fleabag.
1: Yeah, but Fleabag was good though. <laughs> <laughs> Fleabag was fantastic. Yeah,
0: no, no well, hot, no hot priests no. in Mrs Brown's Boys.
1: My notes haven't updated. I'm getting rather worried
0: well then I shall read the notes
1: are up on the computer they're in my phone but they aren't in the iPad I don't know why
0: well then I shall read the last piece of news slowly and actually this is like the longest one and I'm going to talk about some other things in addition so finally the sun seems to think that Jack P. Shepard's short films are a secret because they're quote unquote arty and don't seem to know that Ben Price directed Tubman so gtf to the sun yeah absolutely and thank you once again to nancy i'm so happy that you have been emailing us tips and anybody else can email us tips at any time of Corey news the talk of the street that way that way i don't have to rely on pieces of shite like the sun right yeah poor jack p shepherd besides that um supposedly he also has uh some stalker on instagram who's obsessed with his hands Really? Yes. Some some woman keeps sliding into his DMs talking about his hands.
1: We should do that. <laughs> <coughs> Maybe talk about his feet. We we should, I can't say I've noticed his hands. I mean, I, I, I've recognised that he has hands. We should do
0: it to Colson. <laughs> It'd be so much better to do it to Colson. You think? Yes. About his hands? Or his feet. Okay. There's ears. Sweet ears. Yes. <laughs> Constant Smith has nice ears. Uh, but fans should not worry about uh, uh, Jack P. Shepherd being lured away by arty Films and spreading his wings away from Coronation Street because recently he just signed on for Sending another year yeah. for his contract for his twentieth year. Wow. On the street.
1: Of what I, I I found most. Uh, disagreeable about that Sun article was the insinuation that it was secret and therefore something that he should feel shame about.
0: Right. Or it's something that he's doing without the producers of Coronation Street knowing. Right. That's stupid. Also, they spelled they spelled Platt with only one T within the within the, uh, within the article. And there were some other spelling mistakes stuff. And stuff. I, you know, at the end of all the articles on the sun, they say, you know, if you have a tip, mm-hmm. email it here. Mm-hmm. So I think basically it was just a slow week. Somebody seemed to think that this was a secret.
1: This passes as news. Yeah, that's really weird.
0: Yes, considering all of the actual news out there in the world, like oh, well, I don't know,
1: the end of the world.
0: Somebody, somebody attempting to start World War Three.
1: Australia's on fire
0: and Australia being on fire, and Brexit, and (sighs) shite, surely, surely we have more to talk about than making up secret agendas for Jack P. Shepard. Right. And that's Quarry News. Oh, so forlorn. Oh. No, the more I talk, I, see, I haven't really been talking all day mm-hmm. or yesterday. I've been trying not to talk because I've been sick and now I'm talking a lot and so my voice is giving out.
1: Yeah, it was great when nobody was talking and I was driving eleven and a half a half hours home. It's great that people like stay awake to.
0: <coughs> it was those heated seats, I tell you. Mm-hmm. They kept fu- making me fall asleep. That was a to- shite car, though. That was awful. It was awful.
1: Never ever buy a Ford Expedition. Just no. Oh, even
0: it. if you have the sixty grand lying around to buy one,
1: it's fucking massive.
0: It's huge, and it has and a
1: teeniest little trunk.
0: Yeah, there's and, and to get into the back seat, you have to crawl over the seat.
1: No, the the seat actually moves forward to allow people.
0: Right, but you still kind of have to crawl over it. It's not like there's a space like in a grand caravan or no, something. No, you
1: can't. It's just nobody pressed that button. The seat moves forward to allow access to the way back. It's still
0: really awkward, isn't it? Mm. It doesn't N- not allow as
1: awkward as how we were using it.
0: It doesn't allow for very much space, and, it's and I was getting
1: nineteen miles to the gallon. And when you're driving eight hundred and forty miles, nineteen miles to the gallon isn't great.
0: <laughs> no,
1: sixty bucks to fill that thing up.
0: But Look hey, bad. with everybody asleep, it made it it made a faster trip. It did. We, we only, only stopped, stopped twice.
1: twice. On the way out and the way back. I know. We actually got halfway before we stopped the first time, yes. which is unheard of, especially with you, with your teeny tiny wee bladder.
0: Yes, my bladder and I sacrificed a lot to to get, I was like, I, I kept saying, 20 more miles. We can do this 20 more miles before I said something to you. Mm-hmm.
1: Because I'm not happy. <laughs> no. Especially when we're still in Michigan and you have to stop for no, a pee. No, I we still of in before. Michigan. It That's harmed a couple of times before. Anyway. But anyway. Not this thing. No. Our mailbag. Helen Helen 2. Canadian of, Helen. Not Canadian Helen. Not Canadian Helen? Not Canadian Helen. I think British Helen, who has moved, I think. The, the Helen's whereabouts are unclear, but it's not, it's not Canadian Helen. Why are there so many Helens? She wrote in to say, I'm watching Corrie from the beginning and just watched episode 99, which aired on... I thought that
0: was Canadian, Helen, who said that.
1: No, on November 22nd, 1961, a little less than a year from when the soap first started, which was December 1960. Young university student Kenneth Barlow quit his job and was going to run away to London. (gasps) His father, Frank Barlow, and Albert Tatlock were discussing this devastating turn of events when Frank said to Albert, I don't think he'll ever come back. It made me smile because here we are, 60 years later, and Ken still lives on Coronation Street.
0: There you go. Hindsight Corner.
1: Blue, 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 blue. I couldn't be bothered looking up Hindsight Corner apart from one thing. There was oh, three God. things I had written down. How did Roy let down Hayley? Didn't look that up. Who's lived with Rita? Didn't look that up either. What
0: the hell is wrong with you?
1: Nina was listening though to System of a Down and it's not effervescence as we said it's evanescence. So well no, You said effervescence. As did you. I did not. Any I issue? said evanescence. Nope.
0: Yeah well what? you should uh, You should look up why Roy let down Haley, and no. who's lived with Rita. You do it. No I'm sick.
1: You won't be sick forever.
0: <laughs> yes I will. The world is date.
1: <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Ooh, well, ooh.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome.
1: Last year tonight, our episode this time last year was called Fancy Coat and Ethics. Do you remember what that was in reference to?
0: Fancy Coat and Ethics. No.
1: It was Imran. His uh, fancy checkered coat.
0: Oh, uh, that's right. This was back when we were still... Naming things, not necessarily about something that somebody says.
1: Somebody did say this, though. This is really the start of us
0: really talking stick, about stick Imran's coat.
1: Mm-hmm. I think from here on in, all the episode titles are phrases from the show, but we haven't yet started stealing Doing the whole clip.
0: And we're not stealing. That's not stealing.
1: Or reusing the clip, then.
0: Right. Is Imran and Toya still a thing?
1: I believe so. We haven't seen them together since August, though, I think. Yeah.
0: So we need, I I would like to see a little Imran and and Toya action, please.
1: Would you rather do this tomorrow?
0: No. It'll be fine. I will sound the same tomorrow.
1: I was Gavin, and you were sore. (laughs) You had a surgeon poking about at your belly. And for some reason, you didn't punch him in the face.
0: Yes. That came up in my Facebook memories as well. Me talking about the fact that 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 dick was like pressing on my um hernia like pressing down really really hard and causing excruciating pain and saying does this hurt yeah i really should have kicked him out of the nuts
1: right we were just back from virginia where we would visited five dead presidents. yes we did who was your favorite can you remember
0: my favorite was not in virginia my favorite was the one in New Jersey,
1: as was mine. Our Twitter follower count was thirty-four, but the Corey block had just followed us that week.
0: <gasps> He's
1: we're now at three hundred and thirty something, I think. Three hundred in a year is pretty, pretty decent, that's I think. I think us? is that okay, yeah. It feels decent.
0: Yeah,
1: we were on the lookout for a spare co-host.
0: Oh, that's right, because I was appeal. going to be having surgery right. to repair my massive hernias.
1: Yep, and because this podcast takes precedent. We'll have, we have to find somebody to uh, step into your your shoes, as it were. We weren't impressed with last year's Crimbo episodes. Not that much, anyway. I think it was better this year. Peter was going to buy the snooker hall, but ended up with a boat. Someone stole 80,000 from Audrey and Nigel Havers dies. Yep. Joseph really likes to move it. Move it? Yes, he, he does. He likes to move it. Move it. He likes to. Apparently move it. <laughs> Our moment of the week was Roy and Mary trying to find Jude, and Audrey finding the dead Nigel Havers, and our boring moment of the week was Ken and Claudia walking the dog, and that was Coronation Street and The Talk of the Street, this time last year.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, that whole New Year's episode last year with with Carla and and Peter in the old snooker hall, Mm kind of sitting there and talking to one another and stuff.
1: Yeah, they talked to one another quite a bit. Yeah. They weren't going out, though.
0: No. Remember that? I remember, re- that. Re- remember when Peter was going to buy the Snooker Hall that nobody ever even talks about anymore? The fact that there's an old Snooker Hall on the street. Are you seen Snooker? Snooker. Right. Yeah.
1: So like Snicker. Snooker. Oh.
0: I have a cold.
1: <laughs> Still not sure what you're saying. Yeah, nobody's bought that.
0: Nobody cares. Ha- it was haunted. Mm. Uh. Oh. that's right. Carla did that weird ghost thing. We still don't know how she was able to project it on the wall so believably.
1: Why do the baddies and Scooby-Doo get arrested?
0: Because they're bad.
1: You don't get arrested for being bad though. People are bad and it's not against the law. to be bad, is it?
0: Yeah, but they do things that are illegal. Like what? Like th- threaten people and
1: They pretend to be ghosts. That apparently is against the law.
0: Right. Well, because it's 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 threatening bodily harm to people. It's chasing people and threatening bodily harm and impersonating a ghost. You can't impersonate a ghost. It's illegal. I'm sure it's not. Especially if that ghost just happens to also be a cop.
1: They would have definitely got away with it if it hadn't been for those <laughs> meddling kids. <ghosts. coughs> anyway. And
0: and it's fraud. There's gotta be fraud involved somehow because they're they're scaring away. Potential buyers and stuff.
1: Of the old theme park, whatever.
0: Right. Yeah. Mm. There's always something illegal there. I'm not sure. Don't don't dig too hard.
1: I'm gonna have to do this for my phone, which I'm not. I'm not sure I'm gonna enjoy doing.
0: Oh, is that what you meant, Scooby Doo? Because you were trying to kill some time.
1: No, it just popped in my head.
0: Shall we dive in? I'm a dear. Yeah, please.
1: Do you want to recap what happened over Christmas?
0: Robert got shot and Derek fell off a thing, which somebody (laughs) called a um, helter-skelter, but I don't think that's a helter-skelter. Doesn't a helter-skelter go like this, not like this?
1: A helter-skelter's a a slide, isn't it?
0: I thought it was like a whirly- a whirly-gig sort of thing.
1: It's a downward slide going around a, a central axis.
0: That didn't look like a slide either.
1: No, I thought it was a scaffold, wasn't it about a scaffolding?
0: Yeah, somebody said it was a helter skelter, and I was like, that doesn't that because no, I thought I thought for sure that a helter skelter was like something that went around and around.
1: Yeah. And, and as, up it, and as down. it descends. You go up to the top and you slide down and you go and you slide round about the uh,
0: I didn't see a slide there. It wasn't that. No. Somebody said that though.
1: So what else harmed? Poor Robert.
0: Yeah. I Every, thought that was very well done. Everybody everybody got to meet Irish Tina. She got to say hi, my name is Irish Tina.
1: And then Churio. And she just left.
0: <laughs> yeah. And Michelle went with her. And Ray is the Well not with her. Well.
1: She also left to go to Ireland To
0: Ireland, because apparently she has family there.
1: Who don't despise her. Who knew? Mm-hmm.
0: So but it is it is interesting that they both left for Ireland.
1: Ray bought the bistro yep. from Michelle for and Michelle. A was, price.
0: And Michelle was very mad and knocked down some wine bottles. Smashed and the place up. Carla said, There's nothing you could do. It's fine. Go away. And so she left and she got she got the tearful goodbye. She got the whole taxi ride and everything.
1: The only people who turned up to her leave night were our family. <clears throat> Nobody else turned up.
0: Well, everybody else was concerned by the fact that Shona got shot, mm-hmm. and he's now in a coma because yeah, she was hiding in a box
1: for David's birthday, right? Because they were going to get their hole in the box or something like that. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't think they just... were. <laughs> think that was the premise, wasn't it?
0: No, that's you're thinking of that Saturday Night Live sketch with the dick in I'm the really box. not.
1: I'm really not thinking <laughs> of that. I never think of Saturday Night Live. That just doesn't happen. That was
0: the only bit that you found funny in the Saturday Night Live Christmas special. It was it terrible, was but it's never funny. Dick in a box. It's
1: never knowingly been funny. I don't dick think. in a box. Dick in a box was kind of amusing, I guess. <laughs> Step one, cut a hole in the box. Yeah, that was, that was kind of funny. The rest of it was terrible. The rest of that piece actually was terrible. Alina showed back up.
0: Briefly. Very briefly. Just
1: for Seth to realise how much she fancies Emma. Emma.
0: Right. Very, very quickly. Alita is there and then she's gone.
1: Rita got eaten by a cat.
0: She did not. She fell off a stool because Dev can't put up a tree right. Because Dev is useless.
1: I still wasn't sure how Rita was injured and all that.
0: Because she fell. Was it a
1: leg or a arm or something that was just kind of dreadful.
0: Yeah, it was weird because afterwards they're like, oh, she's fine. She was just dehydrated. I was like, really? She was dehydrated? (laughs) She wasn't there for that long, was she? And she kept rubbing her arm. So I thought she had a broken arm. And then she was in a wheelchair. And why is she in a wheelchair if she's just dehydrated?
1: Right. And then she got...
0: uh, She got a party.
1: She got a party. Yeah. Because she's not alone anymore. Because people actually give a shit about Rita. Yes. Somehow. Yes. The factory's open. Well, lovely, kinda. A lovely new factory. Kind
0: of.
1: And it all came out that Gary... That
0: happened this week. Not this week? Yeah, that's this week.
1: Okay, shut up about that. Yeah,
0: shut up about that.
1: Uh,
0: oh, um, Adam and Sarah, um, under duress, get engaged mm-hmm. because they're going to get shot by Derek. And so Adam proposes and, and Sarah Ma- says yes.
1: And, Max, a- hasn't and Max hasn't been going to see Marion.
0: Max hasn't been going to see Marion. And is acting like a dick, but that's only so that he'll feel really bad when Shauna gets shot.
1: Yeah, because he really wanted. He said, "I wish you're dead." Right. Uh huh. Uh huh. happen there?
0: Right, and it was absolutely ridiculous because there's absolutely no reason for him to have been acting like that, and doing the whole not going to hang out with Marion, except to make him feel bad. Very briefly, that one scene where Audrey says, No, 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 he's fine. It'll be all right. And then we see him crying.
1: And holding his head. We, haven't, his hands. Seen haven't,
0: any- so. <laughs> we haven't seen anything else about this. Nothing else has come of it.
1: Ugh. And that was a Christmas week, more or less, wasn't it? Did that be my sense. Sounds a bit. It was good. I'll, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was good. It great. was
0: more memorable than last year's Christmas. Yeah. I was trying to remember last year's Christmas and like I said, all I could remember was the New Year's one with Carla and Peter in the Snooker Hall.
1: I don't believe that you watched the Christmas <laughs> one. At all.
0: I think I did. What happened at Christmas?
1: I can't remember. <laughs> See? <laughs> and I did watch it. I remember watching it. My New Year's resolution, by the way, is to stop swearing on the podcast. Oh. From now on, this is going to be a family-friendly, clean, version of its former self which I think will just improve it overall shall we dive in then our first storyline tonight is Ray's Bistro whoo fuck a doodle do it's morning and Bethany is up and worried about her job and she reveals that Ray wants to meet everyone today ooh, ooh.
0: <laughs>
1: that was supposed to be, see that was a joke was, I'm not going to swear and then the first thing I say is fuck oh
0: okay All right R- right a over game. my head
1: bringing your A game <laughs> Ryan turns up to the bistro to quit and threaten Ray that if he lays a finger on Alia, Ryan will come down on down him like a ton of bricks and Ray doesn't exactly shut himself about this Ray is a nice bloke when he speaks with Bethany allowing Daniel time off to deal with his grief and he asks Faye and Bethany to help him out and he'll be looking for a new manager he says. Yes. And the girls are happy with the way things are going so far. Yes. And Jenny's putting up posters for a New Year's Eve due at the Rovers where she's convinced Johnny uh, to have a free bar for the first hour. I'm not sure that's legal.
0: Well, apparently it is.
1: Because in town here
0: Well it's not legal in America.
1: You used to be able to get a free drink on your birthday but now they just charge you a buck. For a large amount, but they have to charge you something. Apparently,
0: yeah, that's that's just America. <clears> though <throat> we're really we're we're Puritans.
1: Fun fact: In Connecticut, you can't have.
0: I think we've mentioned this other na- show. show. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we've mentioned this other show before. Have we? Yeah, well,
1: no, still it's still a fact.
0: It's still a fact. Uh,
1: Ray is there <coughs> because Jenny doesn't know him. He gets a skinny on what their plans are. At the Rovers. Mm-hmm. So back at the Bistro, Ray is excited that Faye and Bethany have got the place ready for the grand opening. And Ray plans on free drinks for the whole night. And he's going to donate to a cancer charity in Sinead's name. Ray is very impressed with both Faye and Bethany. Very impressed indeed. Yes. Hmm. Mm. In the Rovers, Leanne has got a text about Nick's birthday tomorrow. And reveals to Jenny about the Bistro's plans. And Jenny and Johnny descend on the bistro unhappy with Ray, stealing their business. And Ray pleads innocence that he's just raising money for cancer. Feel free to drop in, he says. Wah wah. And that's all that happens in that this week.
0: We're not going to talk about the party, the New Year's Eve party.
1: Well, that comes under the Abbey storyline.
0: <laughs> all right. Oh, you're a little too. I'm a little against yeah. Yes. R.I.P. Carol Spitty. He didn't play the stuff a I guess, though. He played Big Bird. Who? Carol Spitty. The guy who played Oscar the Grouch at Big Bird and who was a resident of the town that I went to high school in. Passed away, like, two weeks ago. Did I tell you about this? I thought I told you about no, this. I s-
1: still have no idea what you're talking about.
0: Oh, so, forget about it.
1: Your thoughts on Ray re- owning the bistro? <sighs> and been a wee bit lecherous towards Bethany and also Amy. Not Amy. Faye.
0: Faye. Not Amy. You know I don't I don't know. I it seems like oh did were you gonna talk about the fact that Faye didn't order enough food? No. And so Alia came in with food and so he was a little lecherous towards Alia as well and kinda gave a stern look at, at, at Fay. So maybe I don't know. It feels like he's gonna he's gonna to try to play Faye and Bethany off of one another for this whole manager gig but then eventually give it to Alia. What do you think? Even though she owns his competition, sort of.
1: Right. She mentions kinda of briefly that she's the whole bring your own bottle thing it's the, is, is definitely a thing at speed doll. Right. just don't get me started on what she says. But it seems like she's kind of accepted it, which surprised me.
0: Yeah, it surprises me too. I don't know. I the less said about Tim's fucking dad, the better.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Our next storyline tonight is about Gary the Gangster. On Monday, Gary's arm that's healed astonishingly well because he got shot. Yeah. On Christmas Day, and
0: yet he's able to move his arm all over the place, mm-hmm. and there's no bandage.
1: He seems to. Well, there was a bandage. I think was it tonight or Wednesday? Had, when he was in his black vest mm. and pants, his Honda pants. He had a bandaging his arm at that point, but he's still kind of moving freely and and seemed to be showing off that he was moving freely. I was like, I can do the birdie song and all that without without even wincing.
0: Yeah. I, I did not appreciate seeing Gary in his winter pants.
1: <laughs> then the police show up to ask him some questions. A separate Uh-oh. issue to what he spoke to them before uh, oh, on Christmas oh. about.
0: Yeah, we forgot to mention this. That this happened at Christmas as well, that Ali went to the police and and reported that he is... A loan shark. A loan shark. Yes. yes.
1: He asks Maria to get him a solicitor.
0: Maria.
1: In the station, Paula is representing Gary, and the police accuse him of being a loan shark. They're confused about how he's gone from being heavily in debt to owning a factory. Gary calls himself lucky, and then the cops bring up Rick's the Chin. Uh-oh. What happened to him? And then Derek's wife turns up to leave flowers at the spot where her husband uh, drank lots of whiskey and meat, and then felt his death. And Izzy just so happens to be there. So it's amazing that the poor woman doesn't climb the scaffold and fling herself off it. Instead, she, she decides to speak to Izzy. Meanwhile, back at the station, Gary admits that Derek was desperate, which is why he signed over the factory. The copper isn't falling for it for this bullshit and accuses Gary again of being a loan shark. Paula is no use whatsoever, but tries her, you have no evidence Line one more time. And right. this time, no one comes in with evidence and the interview is terminated. Gary thanks Paula for no reason. So Izzy is talking to Mrs. Derek and Roy's <laughs> Rolls. They talk about the factory and Mrs. Derek reveals that Derek didn't own any factory. He was so broke using mysterious loan sharks. Mrs. Derrick can't believe that Mr. Derek was a killer and Izzy's brains start a-chugging.
0: She's quite smart, are Izzy?
1: Gary and Maria are in the rovers wanting a word with Ali. Ali says he's busy and Maria insists that Gary did nothing wrong. If that's the case, says Ali, how come Robert's dead and shown is in a coma? If Gary's so innocent, then why did Derek try to kill him? The,
0: uh, that, the, um, the new police guy, the tall one.
1: DS, not McKinnon.
0: Yeah. He kind of looks like Chris O'Dowd, doesn't he? I don't know who that is. The Irish actor, Chris O'Dowd?
1: Mm. No,
0: Not not ringing a bell. No. He kind of looks like Chris O'Dowd to me. And at first I was confused. I was like, why is Chris O'Dowd not using an Irish accent? And then I'm like, why is Chris O'Dowd on Coronation Street? When he's like a movie star now in America.
1: And it turns out that he's not. No. Super.
0: Yeah, he does look like Chris would have.
1: Later, Ali continues to antagonise Gary. Johnny tries to calm it all down, and then Izzy pipes up. She thinks there's something in this loan shark business after all. She doesn't believe Gary. She knows Derek wasn't successful. In fact, he was in debt to a loan shark, and she accuses Gary of being that loan shark. Gary denies it. Okay, says Izzy, this time look me in the eye and swear on Jake's life. Maria's had enough of this. Gary's done nothing wrong. He's a hero, and she drags him away.
0: Oh, Maria!
1: Back home, Maria thinks Ali has lost it, and Izzy as well, for that matter. Gary's silent, which scares Maria, and then Gary admits to her that he is in fact a lone shark. Do do, 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 do.
0: See, that's Chris O'Dowd.
1: Why is his master being in the tree?
0: <laughs> <laughs> for Helen
1: has a habit of showing me. Pictures of famous people masturbating in trees.
0: It was just James Dean, and that was just the one time. Then I showed you pictures of furries, but that was for the other podcast, wasn't it? No, that was for this one. No, that was for this (laughs) one. But yeah, doesn't he look kind of like Chris O'Dowd? The (sighs) the DS, whatever his new name is. DS, not McCann. Yes. DS, tall guy.
1: Gary explains how it all started with him debt collecting for Rick the Chin. He loaned Derek money... Derek never paid it back, so he cut him off and Maria is dumbstruck by this. <coughs> she puts two and two together that she knows Gary sabotaged the factory roof and if it wasn't for him, Rana would be alive. Gary admits it, but he wants it to be a proper family with her and the baby. He's going to change. She's, she's sick of his lies and leaves to pick up Liam.
0: Uh, ex- Maria.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Later, Maria can't believe that she chose Gary over Ali. Yeah, well, Ali's a junkie, says Gary. And she's shocked that the two of them have been playing each other off against each other behind their back. Gary apologises and asks for a second chance. And Maria needs time alone to take this in. And so she throws him out.
0: Yeah, but Gary also says that's why he broke up with you, because he was a junkie. So he kind of hits at Ali's nobility at all of this. Right. Kind of.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think Maria takes it that way, though.
0: No. No, she doesn't. Because of what happens next.
1: On Tuesday, Maria's up and about, but still not talking to Gary, who turns away when he sees a curious Sarah. Maria heads to the barber's and is stopped by words arranged on the page. She seems to get a letter for something. What was that all about? That was for the scan for the baby. Oh, was it? Yeah. Gary sees Ryan and Roy's rolls. Gary has a job for him. He tells Ryan to go through his client list and go... Visit them and tell them that he's out of the loan chart game and he's going to write off all the interest that they owe. Mm-hmm. Then Gary meets up with one of his old clients looking for a £600 loan for old time's sake. Maria's hanging around in the background and sees this go down. Gary says that he's changed and he's looking for he- out for his family now. And Maria, again, hears all this. Gary gives the guy a statue or something that you can sell to get the money. It was and a clock. It. And then yeah. Gary sees Maria. She wants to talk. I wondered if that was all a bit of a setup on Gary's part.
0: It was a little weird especially since the guy had brought Gary something like a light fixture or something you know as collateral and that clock was not worth 600 quid <laughs> it's the light fixture that he stole from the old folks home which is what which is what it was the guy has like a shopping cart <laughs> with a with a light fixture and Gary's like come on man it says property of the nursing home right well, sure. on there which was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But, but supposedly the guy needs the buddy for his mother who's in the nursing home. Right. But
1: Back home, Maria is still worried that she can't trust Gary. He promises he's changed and he's not going to lose her or the baby, he says. And this seems to do it for Maria. And the two of them go the rovers and Maria shouts her mouth off to the pub about Ali being a junkie. And Ali, understandably, isn't too chuffed about this.
0: Yeah, and it's like, wait a second. So you're going to choose... The loan Shark over the over the junkie who is now clean mm-hmm. and is trying to get his life together. Right. What?
1: Well done, Maria. <laughs> just consistently making terrible decisions.
0: I think, I, you know, I think she's just kind of thinking about the baby and everything, but... <sighs>
1: <sighs> yeah. Do you think she's going to have this baby?
0: She seems to want this baby.
1: I don't think it's home, then.
0: Even even with even with Gary, she seems to want the baby. So mm-hmm. you know, that's why she was looking at the whole scan thing and then she saw Daniel walking with Bertie. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I know what it's like to be a single parent and everything, and so I have to stick with Gary because I don't want to be a single parent, which Yikes. is honey, not the way to go. I'm speaking from personal experience here.
1: Girl, same. <laughs> You're fond of that gif.
0: <coughs> I'm fond of that Girl, gif.
1: Girl Same.
0: It's one of my favorites. I use it all the time. It's very handy.
1: On Wednesday. It turns out that Bethany isn't too happy waking up to seeing Gary and his undercrackers again. Yeah, neither was I. She's had her fill of that when he lived at number eight. Maybe it's time I moved on, says Bethany, threatening to leave, which nobody really gave a shit about one way or the other. On his way to the shops, Gary gets torn into Sarah. He wants his fucking rent. Three months up front. You can stick your rent up your arse, says Sarah. Right. Up your, arse. up your arse. Back home, Nick thinks that Gary conned the factory out of Derek. It doesn't matter, says Adam. It's a contract. And then Gail pipes up that if Sarah doesn't like the fact that Gary owns a building, maybe find another building. And to that, Nick sucks a thoughtful, thoughtful tooth. tooth. Betty continues to be a stroppy cow with Gary and Maria. Gary thinks he and Maria and Liam should move into Victoria Court right, and right now. Once Sarah sees sense and pays rent, he can afford it with no problems at all. Maria looks like she agrees, but then she also looks concerned. She's worried about everyone treating them like piranhas.
0: You mean pariahs?
1: <clears throat> yeah, but she says piranhas. And then he corrects her. And that's kind of funny.
0: Maria's not very smart, is she? No. Gary's
1: changed the locks on the factory. No rent, no keys, he says to Sarah.
0: See, I don't know if that's necessarily legal. Don't they have to go through, like, a procedure of, um... <coughs> eviction and everything else.
1: Yeah, he has to sell them notice. And he didn't do
0: that. No. And he's got to give them more time, not just over Christmas, right. to pay rent. Especially since I'm assuming that they've already paid something to Derek already or something. He
1: seemed to suggest that they Hunt not paid anything. Yeah. But the factory's not up and running yet, so they're not making any money. So. Right. Sarah doesn't think they can do that and Adam has an agreement. They have a contract. Fine, call the cops then, says Gary. And in the rovers, Gary tells Maria that he's just calling Sarah's bluff. No one's going to lose their jobs. It's all going to work out fine. And she's further worried that his actions are going to make them less and less popular with uh, everybody on the the street. street. Yeah. Then a couple of the knicker packing people, Sally, Beth, and Kirk are at Speed Dial with Nick and Sarah because we haven't been at Speed Dial in ages, and the general consensus is to pay Gary, but Sarah isn't keen. Nick tells Adam to work on her, and he thinks that he knows the very thing to cheer her up.
0: Except there was a brief there was a brief scene in Speed Dahl last week where um, Yasmin gathered all of the children from the street to read the night before Christmas to them to distract them from the shooting that had just gone on right outside. Oh yeah. right. Well done, Yasmin. That was a it was a truly beautiful and charitable thing to do and I'm so glad they didn't ruin it by having Tim's fucking dad in the <laughs> scene as well.
1: Adam has gathered the family to the rovers uh, for him to propose again to Sarah and he gets down on one knee and he seems to be really enjoying himself.
0: Yes, he is. <laughs> oh, and Emma gets to sell her first bottle of Champers.
1: And start, and start her start first
0: tab. First tab. I, I don't believe that this is the first time she's ever started a tab. That doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Tabs aren't really a thing in the UK. Really? Mm-hmm
0: you How? pay as you go you pay
1: as you go mm-hmm. wow I know it's, it's like the, the scales have fallen <laughs> off your eyes but that's, that's true you pay as you go and you get a round in so if you and I were were out with friends then I'd buy everyone a drink then you'd buy everyone a drink and then whoever we're out with they'd buy everyone a drink and then you say "Whose round is it and I go that's my round I'll get them in and then you go and get them in and that, that never happens here because we all have tabs and we all just pay for our own yeah. So, you kind of miss the concept of having rounds. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Mm. Sometimes we buy rounds for people, but that doesn't well, happen. No, we'll very buy thing. drinks
1: for people. So, we'll buy their, we'll, we'll pick up their tab. I mm-hmm. wonder what do they do in Canada. If only we knew somebody <laughs> in Canada who could tell us what the. If only we knew someone in Canada that
0: the next time we're in Canada, we can go out drinking with them and <laughs> hang out. Well, that's a good idea. Yeah.
1: Is it a good idea or is it creepy? <laughs> I think it's fairly okay, isn't it? I don't know. I guess. Anyway. We'll see. <laughs> so she agrees to a spring wedding and Gary sees us and then gets asked about the rent again. Nick drags him away, claiming that he's going to sort it. And that's as far as we get with that storyline this week. Correct. Adam and Sarah.
0: Yay. A thing? Question mark? Absolutely. I They've like been it. been going for
1: like two weeks.
0: It's been more than two weeks. Three weeks. It's been more than three weeks. Four weeks. It's been a few months.
1: It's not been a few months.
0: Yes, it has, because she's been going out with him since the fact since the roof collapse.
1: I was after the roof collapse because she was with Gary when the roof collapsed.
0: No, she and Gary had already broken up no. when the roof collapsed. That was one of the reasons because he, one of the things he was desperate for was to get her back.
1: No, because he was still at number eight. He was still living at number eight. I don't think so. It was because then he spoke to to Gail, and she made him a cup of tea that morning.
0: I thought she made a cup, no, she made a cup of tea for nope. Nick,
1: Nope, didn't she? Nope.
0: Because Nick was out running.
1: Nick doesn't live there.
0: No. No, you're right.
1: No, no, I'm right, yeah. Yeah. Well spotted.
0: Mm. First time for everything.
1: So it hasn't been that long. Mm. It certainly hasn't been since the summer.
0: No. So no, it has been since the summer.
1: A couple of months, but getting my seems awfully quick.
0: Well, he's a catch. He hasn't been married yet.
1: He seems very happy about this. He, he does. Chuckley's we are off. And
0: she seems really happy too, and that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. I want them to be happy. I think they're I think they make a nice couple. I think they're cute together.
1: Gary being the landlord. Ugh. That can't last, I don't think. No. I think there's maybe something in Gail saying find another building, but they've got this brand new set for the factory, it's gonna to have to be used, I would have thought.
0: Mm-hmm. I think they call Gary's bluff and say, all right, well, we're going to use this factor over here. Because wasn't there, like, another building somewhere else that they wanted to try to get? But no, because the Knicker people voted to just go ahead and pay Gary, didn't they? Right. Yeah. But not all the Knicker people were there, so I don't know how that's a fair vote.
1: No, there was only, like... There was, like, two or three of them. Beth doesn't get to say...
0: And then Nick said, like afterwards, that he had spoken to everybody else, and they all agreed with the original liquor people. That was handy. Yeah. Why can't they get everybody on the set at the same time? You'd think that that would be relatively easy to do.
1: Yeah, especially all those actors in non-speaking roles, right? You just assume that like they're kind Dirk, of Dirk, not st- Kirk, right?
0: Who who had a Christmas tree on his head? <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. Dirk Uh, not
1: Kirk Our next storyline tonight is Abbey's Hole On Monday, poor Tim Abbey's
0: Hole, not Abbey Hole Abbey Road
1: Poor Tim, things are still weird between him and Sally Tyrone is in the dark about it so Tim explains the situation to Ty and to the audience
0: Which really confused me because I thought Tyrone already knew about this Hmm. I'm surprised nobody told him
1: Meanwhile, Kev's excited about a banger hot rod something or other that he's off to see tonight Abby's in the rovers with Kev and Ty. Abby is on that dating app thing when you swap you swipe left. I can't remember what it's called. Is it grinder?
0: No, Tinder. Tinder. What's yeah. Grinder? Grindr is the gay one.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: because of course it is.
1: Sure. Grinder.
0: Grinder with no E.
1: Yeah, and then it comes out that Kev used to sport a mustache. <laughs> Abby is keen to get more information. Was that a Magnum PI jobby or was that a wee thin one, she says. Jenny thinks that she has a photo of it somewhere.
0: And it turns out to be a Hitler moustache.
1: <laughs> Back no. at the garage, Ty and Abby have dressed up as Magnum to rip the piss out of Kev. And he takes it well and arranges to meet Abby in the pub later.
0: So how did they just, like, manage to... Poor Gemma, her whole pregnancy, couldn't get two dimes rub together to buy any actual maternity clothes. And yet... For a gag, Abby and Tyrone are able to afford Hawaiian shirts.
1: So anyway, so Kev takes it well and arranges to meet Abby in a pub later. He agrees and Ty is amused that Kev has knocked off his banger in front of Abby.
0: What? No. <laughs> He's decided to go and have a drink with Abby <laughs> as opposed to go to his 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 uh, stockyard racing right. thing. That's what I meant. Yes, Abby he was wasn't to... rubbing off his banger in no. front of Abby.
1: Not like that, anyway. <laughs> no. He probably was a little bit. No. Privately.
0: No. Yeah, Abby... re- yeah, not in front of her, though. No.
1: Abby is ready to meet Kev in the pub, and Tim is concerned uh, because of that hot rod thing. Sally tells Abby that Kev fancies her, and Abby is unable to help natural instincts, and off she goes. So, Kev and Abby are enjoying a drink, and Abby brings up the stock car racing thing. She doesn't understand why he isn't there. He says that he's supporting her, and she thinks that he's a great guy. She chases him off, telling him that they can have a drink tomorrow. So he goes to his stock car thing after all. Then Abby's back home, and Sally's surprised that she's so merry, and thinks Abby's playing with Kev's feelings. Abby reveals that she has a soft spot for Kev, that he's a great guy, and maybe she's interested after all. Maybe. Then on Tuesday which is New Year's Eve. Abby is at the bistro looking for Kev. She peeks into the photo booth and she finds Seb, Eileen and Mary. And Mary's wearing a horse's head, but Abby still knows that it's her. That was quite funny.
0: Hi, Hi Mary, how did you know it was me? <laughs> that was funny.
1: Then Abby admits to making a move on Kev, who now turns up, and Abby resorts to being 12 again. Later, Kev and Abby are in blonde wigs in the photo booth and she gives him a quick kiss as the flash goes off and then she rushes off for a pint. And he's kind of taking aback by it a little bit. Now... Abby is chatting to Eileen, worried that Kev was shocked at the kiss, and maybe she's not his type and vice versa. He's born as fucking all that, and still she thinks that he might be the one. Kev is hanging around like a fucking creepy doyle and hears all of this. <laughs> oh, only hears half of it.
0: Right, yes, because that's that's how things happen in soap operas and sitcoms. Right. It's like it's like an episode of Three's Company all over again.
1: Abby tracks Kev down to a quiet corner of the bistro and very brazenly suggests that they snog. No thanks, says Kev, I'm not that desperate, despite the fact that he is totally that desperate.
0: He absolutely is.
1: As New Year approaches, Kev tells Eileen that he heard the first part of what Abby says. Aye, well, you never heard the second bit, says Eileen, where Abby is gagging for your Bobby. Oh, pig's tits, says Kev, and off he goes to find her. And find her he does, snogging the face of Ray Weinstein. On Wednesday, Abby, Eileen and Sally are having a post-mortem about yesterday. Sally's convinced that Abby and Kev are the hots for each other, but as far as is concerned, Kev has made his position quite clear, thank you very much. Yes. And Kev comes in and joins them, and then Abby leaves. Sally has a quiet word with Kev about Abby. If he really likes her, he needs to go for it, and he needs to do it now. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, Abby is, I'm going to say, dressed up, and is at the bistro giving it big licks with Ray, who seems to appreciate the attention. Yeah. She's kind of dressed... I think it would sound more charitable if you said it.
0: She seems to have raided Liz's closet. Right. She's got her sexy bits on.
1: She's got her sexy bits on. So Abby is pulling off Ray. Oh, sorry. Abby is pulling off Ray's tie.
0: Yeah, like right there in the bistro, in a booth. Mm -hmm. You know, know, a professional would say, let's go to my office.
1: I've got that written down almost exactly. Not exactly professional behaviour from Ray here. No, they disappointed him,
0: yes, but I'm kind of <laughs> happy about 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 this development, him and Abby, because that means that he's not going that maybe he won't be lecherous with Faye and Bethany and alia oh, yeah. mm-hmm. because I, <sighs> Ray confuses me because sometimes he's really, really awful, mm-hmm. and then other times. He's really kind of decent. I don't know what to make of Ray. Mm
1: -hmm. He's an odd one. Yeah, he is. Abby thinks that Ray is just the manager of the bistro.
0: Right. And when she finds
1: out that he's actually the owner, Right. they kind of comedy snog, don't they? They're all (laughs) big, wide mouthed. Right. Tongues are everywhere. Ugh. So Abby gets home and starts shooting off about snogging Ray and how he's a top bloke and is rich and stuff and she's finally managed to snag one of the good ones when Sally announces that she's invited Kev for tea and Kev's standing the way back to her and hears all this and he makes his excuses and leaves.
0: Yeah, poor Kev.
1: On Friday, Ray tracks Abby down to the garage. He thinks it's brilliant uh, and he now knows where he can go next time he needs serviced. Ha ha. Tim exactly is getting a taxi like, right. serviced and mentions that Abby got her mechanics degree or whatever inside. And this scares off Ray, and Tim is apologetic, and later in the rovers, Tim is more apologetic, but Abby isn't impressed. She's super pissed off at him for fucking up her chances of pegging a millionaire. Ray catches up with Abby and Roy's roles, and takes the piss out of her a wee bit. She confesses to being a smart kid previously, and gave away two of her kids. This doesn't seem to put Ray off. He's no. bounced back uh, from a tough start, too, he says. He admires her, and after some coaxing, he asks her if they want to go and have sex somewhere. Yes, please, says Abby.
0: Right, yeah, like at first he was, be- he's you know, using all this saucy innuendo and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and Abby's like, you know, that was fun for New Year's Eve, but I'm really not that kind of girl. Just tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Mm-hmm. And so Ray's just like, um, you want to go have sex now? <laughs>
1: and she goes, yes, please. Yes. I would very much like to get my hole off of you. Yes please. So they go back to Sally's and get their hole and they're about to get their hole again when Sally comes in shocked that uh, this whole affair thing wasn't dead in the water.
0: Right, yes and and it was hilarious because when Sally comes in Ray drops Abby on the floor. Right. That was funny. That was quite funny. Yes.
1: And she's ripped his shirt.
0: Right. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) And kind of jumped on (coughs) it.
0: (coughs) Yes. That was funny.
1: So you think this Ray and Abby thing's got legs? (sighs) Or is this just postponing Abby and Kev getting together?
0: I mean, eventually, in the long run, will Abby and Kev get together? Yes.
1: I'm not so sure anymore.
0: (sighs) The show has invested so much time, you know, in the will they, won't they, up and down and stuff. I think eventually the whole Ray thing will fizzle somehow it it'll come you know he'll do something stupid and lecherous and it'll come out and Abby will drop him like a hot potato something will happen but for now i'm kind of liking it cuz it's funny and it makes ray more interesting because we see another side to him you know a kind of decent side
1: the non weinstein side
0: right and it makes him more interesting i think because you know it, it's interesting that you bring up Weinstein because there's been lots of people who said, Oh, he was never like that with me. Mm-hmm. I never saw anything like that. So it's good to see a side of Ray that's not like that so that we get a really well rounded character. Mm-hmm. The two of
1: them, I think, are, like you said, they're interesting together. I think Ray is a more interesting character than Kev is. Um, Kev is kind of boring.
0: He seems to have lightened up quite a bit, though, because there would have been a time when the whole Abby and Tyrone jumping out in Hawaiian shirts with fake mustaches would have pissed him off and he would have run off. Right. So, mm. you know, and he doesn't seem to be so anal about Jack and his leg as he used to be. Oh, I remember that. Bit, like, yeah. yeah, it seems like everybody's forgotten about the fact that Jack only well, has one leg. Mm-hmm. <sighs> ghosts. Poor Carol.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's just not getting mentioned ever again.
0: Carol? Mm-hmm. Or Jack's leg?
1: Carol, because, uh...
0: Yeah, oh yeah, we had, a uh, Homeless, Homeless Jade. Mm-hmm. Did we talk about Homeless Jane? I can't
1: remember if that was last week or the week before. I can't remember
0: either, but yeah. And
1: Sean had the opportunity to say, I remember when I was homeless and, and, I, Carol, and I was helped by this person, Carol, who I, I really wish I knew who she was. Right. He didn't do it.
0: And Carol doesn't show up in the soup kitchen line. And, you know, no. he didn't say, oh, hi, Carol. So Carol's gone forever. Yep. She's dead she, in a ditch.
1: Dead. Our next storyline tonight is, let having you.
0: Really? <laughs> really? She's a <coughs> bisexual. She's not a lesbian.
1: Oh, who do you think I'm talking about?
0: Well, both of them.
1: I really enjoyed this storyline. I thought it was
0: really? quite hilarious. Yeah, I thought it was dumb.
1: I thought it was funny. Mm. <clears throat> On Monday, Tracy brings Amy around to the law office looking for some work experience. Paula is working there for some reason and offers to help, giving her Amy her card. The office
0: is being refurnished, so Adam told her that she could borrow, she could borrow a desk
1: there. Because, sure. Paula has popped round to see Amy, giving her some papers to look over and sign a confidentiality agreement, and Tracy is very appreciative. At home, Amy notices that Steve and Tracy are in the mood with each other, and she's down about Robert, she says to Amy, but she has a plan for tomorrow with Steve. Haha. Uh-huh. Amy doesn't seem to care about
0: no. Robert. <clears throat> well, she seemed to care a little bit. Tracy seemed to care more, but then she's also like, yeah, it was really horrible, but then again, lots of horrible things have happened. Right. This year. And she's right. Lots of horrible things have happened this year.
1: <laughs> We've talked about quite a few of them. Yes. On Tuesday, at the cab office, Steve and Tim agreed to swap shifts so that Tim can make it up to Sally, who was disappointed that he had to work. They concoct a story about Tim being sick or something. Right. Tracy, though, was excited about a concert that she and Steve were supposed to be going to. Steve tells her that Tim is sick and he's going to have to cover his shift and Tracy is initially gutted, but then is more upset when Steve doesn't recognise the significance of who they're going to see. Sally's at devs and Tracy's all dolled up and sad that Tim has been sick, but Sally's buying tons of beer, so Tracy sees right through it. Tim's not sick at all, is he?
0: And Sally's like, no, I
1: drink
0: beer from time to time.
1: Tracy is on to Steve. How could he when this was so special and he admits that he's never heard of effervescence and he doesn't know why it's a big deal but Tracy reveals that Amy was conceived to bring me to life. That wasn't that long ago, was it? Was that 15 years ago?
0: Did you just say effervescence?
1: I think that's what Steve says. And, And that's what we said a couple of weeks ago. But it's not that. Why are you looking not like that?
0: Because you're cute.
1: So that was 2005?
0: Really? It yeah, bring me to life.
1: Or 2004, I guess. If you had nine months on it, because a, a normal human gestation period is nine months or approximately 40 weeks. 2003. 2003, wow. So, yeah, so he's never heard of it. We're old. She wanted to believe next year could be better. Well, that's that totally fucked now, she says.
0: Wait, so they were going to go see Evanescence? hmm
1: Evanescence.
0: I don't... They broke up. How are they touring? Did they? Pretty sure they have.
1: Well, considering that we continually get their name wrong, and can only mention one of their songs, they haven't exactly been burning the charts on No.
0: Other
1: words, Ryan is DJing to Rita, Abby, and Paula. And then the in comes Tracy, and I'm wondering if Paula does divorces. That was funny. A bit later, Paula's flirting about with Tracy. What are you doing with Steve, she asks. Tracy says that he's like a loyal dog that you can't bring yourself to put down. She asks about Sophie, who seems to be dating a backpacker now. Fuck you all, says Tracy. Let's make this a new year to remember. And Paula suggests that Tracy throws caution to the wind. That's what I intend to do, says Tracy, right after I have a ha. Oh. And she did say was.
0: She did say was. It was weird.
1: <coughs> On Wednesday, Tracy wakes up in an unfamiliar bed. It's Paula's. Rut roll. Cup of tea, asks
0: Paula. I know, that was really funny. She's like, wakes up, but she's all confused. And she sits up and there's Paula behind her. Like, hello there. Well,
1: hello there. You have got to be fucking kidding me, says Tracy. Meanwhile, Amy is entertaining Ken, by which I mean she's putting up with his chat and making him a cup of tea. Steve comes home sheepish and Amy leaves him to it. She has some papers that she has to take round to Paula's for her work experience stuff. row again. Tracy's knickers are on the yucca. She's not happy with us. She's married. And Paul says that last night, Tracy had been banging on about her prison days and how she bedded more women than Madonna. That was hilarious as well. Right. And
0: that throwaway line is given to us just to explain why on earth Tracy would ever, you know, jump over the fence. Right. You know, we get a throwaway line insinuating that this isn't her first... Trip over the fence.
1: Exactly. Amy comes round with those papers and as Tracy hides, Paula says that she's getting a hole so she won't be inviting Amy in. Amy taps her nose and leaves. <sighs> Awkward, says Paula. You reckon, says Tracy.
0: Yeah, even though Tracy has never mentioned before that she jumped over the fence while she was in prison to anyone.
1: She did it to Paula.
0: Right, yeah. But before this, cause it's been years since Tracy's been out of prison, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Steve's asleep on the couch when Tracy sneaks home. He awakens and Amy appears, both suspicious that Tracy's in a relatively good mood after missing that concert thing and with Steve working. Amy notices that Tracy's come home with someone else's designer jacket. Tracy begs Amy to shut her mouth. She's going to have a shower and a bacon sandwich, in that order. Later, Tracy's had her shower and put back on her New Year's Eve clothes. Later, you
0: know, she's not in her New Year's Eve clothes after her shower. She's wearing like a... Leopard print shirt and, like, that Starburst necklace.
1: She's totally wearing the same clothes.
0: Yeah. I don't think so.
1: Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> Amy has done some more paperwork uh, and is about to take it to Paula's. And Tracy says, you've already been around there once they just give her rest. How do you know that, asks Amy. And Tracy makes up a story about Paula texting her because Amy's so keen. She talks to Amy and leaving it for today. And then Amy leaves to see Ken with Steve in bed. Tracy calls Paula and arranges to meet her on the Rovers in 20 minutes to exchange jackets. So that's what they do, and Paula isn't impressed at Tracy barking orders at her. Tracy just wants to get their stories straight. Well, buy me a drink and let's talk about it, says Paula, who seems to be enjoying taking the piss out of Tracy here. Yes. Ken and Amy are enjoying a stroll when Maria happens along. Ken brags about Amy's work experience, and Maria thinks that this explains how Tracy and Paula knew each other then. She tells them that the two of them were necking back the tequila like it was going out of fashion last night. Amy is curious about this strange throwaway comment.
0: Right, yes. And the only reason why Ken and Amy would ever talk to Maria is just so something like this could happen. Exactly. Otherwise, they They're wouldn't have stopped to, to chat and Ken would not have been bragging about Amy and her
1: job thing. thing. Tracy says that she was taking advantage of, but Paula paints a very different picture. Tracy responds by suggesting that Amy no longer does the work experience. This is stupid, says Paula, and she storms out.
0: And she's right.
1: Tracy storms after her, and they argue in the street, which is seen and heard by Amy. Amy wants to know what's going on. Paula tells her about the work experience thing, but then Amy notices that Paula's wearing that fancy jacket that her mum had a wee while ago and puts two and two together. Did you two get your holes off of each other, she says. In the home, Tracy says that she just crashed at Paula's nothing happened. Then why lie, asks Amy. Tracy says Paula came to her, but Amy isn't buying it and calls Tracy a cheat. What a role model. Either you tell Steve, or I do, she says. And outside, Tracy calls Steve and arranges to meet him at the rovers, warning him not to go back to the flat. Tracy needs some help from Mary, but Mary isn't interested until she hears that it involves some hot lesbian action, and suddenly (laughs) she wants all the gory details.
0: Yes, she does.
1: Tracy wants Mary to stall Steve until she gets an all-clear text from Tracy, because Tracy wants to clear this all up with Amy. Right. Mary does a terrible job of keeping Steve in the rovers, because Steve has brought uh, Tracy a cat. Yes. She tries to distract him. All of a sudden,
0: everybody's getting cats on the street.
1: She tries to distract him with a game of darts, but Steve volunteers Kev instead. And Kev, actually, seems up for a quick couple of games of darts. No wonder you're single, says Sally. (coughs) Back in the flat, Tracy is making the case to Amy that Steve lied and didn't want to spend New Year's with her, and it made her feel worthless, and on top of that, there's a whole Emma thing that's made her a laughing stock. Amy isn't sure this excuses her behaviour, and then in comes Steve with a cat, sensing that something happened between the two of them, and Tracy pretends to be into the cat thing, and Steve goes off to get one. Wine and Fancy Crisps.
0: Do you, think, do you think this whole cat thing is the writers trying to be funny that
1: some s- pussy
0: Steve, is, Steve is bringing her a pussy cat because he does call Sylvester a pussy cat at one point mm-hmm. as well. The word pussy is used. Mm. How much is pussy used over in the UK for uh, female genitalia? <sighs>
1: I think infrequently.
0: Yeah, it's not as, as
1: not as prevalent as it is here, hmm. or in pornography. Uh-huh. Tracy tells Amy that she'll be uh, that she'll make it up to her dad, but Amy, not for the first time, can't even be asked to argue with how fucked up her parents are, and goes off to her room. Emma's working on the rovers when she gets a call from Amy, and we don't hear it, but we get the idea that someone else now knows about the lesbian thing, but it's not. Back home, Tracy wants to call the cat Sylvester. And Steve wonders why Tracy forgave him so quickly. Then in comes Amy with an announcement to make. She's moving out. She's going in love with Emma. She's sick of the pair of them. And Tracy actually thinks that this is a capital idea. On Friday, Amy's packing, getting ready to move out. Tracy thinks that she'll get bored and come home before they know it. And Steve isn't happy that Tracy's given this a green light. But Tracy's looking forward to a parental break. Because she's the mother of the year. Yes, she is. Steve goes round to see Emma, uh, who claims that Amy caught her off guard, and it won't be for long, she says, that, that she'll move back and uh, with Steve and Tracy. Right. And both surprised that Tracy gave this the green light, and Emma will try and figure it out. Emma and Amy are in Roy's roles. Amy complains about Tracy stopping the work experience because Paula is bisexual. Emma goes into the cab office to explain what happened okay. with Amy to Steve, and it's all Tracy's fault. She put a stop to the work experience uh, because Tracy's homophobic, and Steve is shocked back home Steve asks for Tracy to sit down he says that he's figured out why Amy wanted to move out and he's shocked shocked I tell you and Tracy believing that Steve really does know what happened apologizes and then Steve wishes that uh, he'd have been there with Paula and Tracy's like really? (laughs) Tracy is confused and then suggests that Paula was taking advantage and she's far from homophobic she was taking advantage of Amy, Amy not her. right? Then later, Tracy thanks Amy for covering for her, but this can't go on. It'll break Steve's heart, and for the first time in her life, she feels ashamed, says Tracy. But Amy needs to leave, because every time she sees her mom's face, she wants to tell her dad the truth.
0: Considering everything (laughs) Tracy has done in her life, for this to be the first time. This is the one
1: thing that brings her shame, yeah.
0: It's kind of weird. And also, and I said this to you the other night, she should just tell Steve, because I think Steve would be into it.
1: I don't think it would be enough for Steve to no end the relationship.
0: No, no. In fact, <laughs> Steve might, you know,
1: throuple it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he would certainly knock one out thinking about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. At the very least. Right. Good old Steve. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's going to find out, though.
0: Well, yes. And because she didn't tell him right away, that's going to upset him.
1: He's going to be upset, yeah.
0: But it's not going to be because she had sex with a lady. It's because she took so long to tell him.
1: Well, Maybe it will be. Maybe Steve will shock us. Because technically she did really cheat on him. Just because there was no Bobby involved.
0: Yeah. I think he would be more upset if there was Bobby involved.
1: True. But he's been.
0: Oh no, he hasn't. Has he been faithful to her? Well, you might recall he's he right before he, their wedding. He got
1: a pass, but did he do anything with that? Oh, he did. He slept with Leanne he slept again. With
0: Leanne again. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve, which is why it really kind of shocked me how harsh Amy's being with her mom, considering you know how could you do this to my dad, sort of thing when hello. Her dad hasn't exactly been the most faithful one ever.
1: Ever, ever? Ever, ever. That's right.
0: It's weird. I don't
1: think they're going to split up, do you?
0: No, they're not going to split up. It's interesting to find out that Paula and Sophie are officially kaput. Right. Because I thought that they were still kind of together, Mm -hmm. but...
1: That's what I thought.
0: Paula was talking about Sophie's new...
1: Beautiful, tanned, whole, yeah.
0: backpacking girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So. Do
1: you think that was Kate?
0: No, because she said beautiful, blonde, tanned, right. Right. tall backpacking girlfriend. Mm-hmm. That's not Kate.
1: You no, know, none of those things are Kate. You're mean. I don't like Kate. <laughs> you may have noticed. Our penultimate storyline tonight. Already? Oh, already. Puri Hope's arm.
0: Oh. Uh. Yeah, this storyline—it's uh, just moving right along, isn't it?
1: Yeah, we're getting somewhere.
0: Yeah, yeah, we are.
1: You looking like that for?
0: Because you're so cute. What the
1: fuck's wrong with you?
0: <laughs> I'm sick.
1: <coughs> Hopes we are. On Wednesday, Tyrone, Fizz, and Evelyn and Hope and Ruby are all at the co-op. Fizz tells the girls to play in the garden. And Fizz and Ty are worried that the girls have been exposed to so much violence recently that they might need some play therapy, which makes Evelyn roll her eyes. Then we hear one of the girls cry out. It seems that Ruby this time has pushed Hope off the bench, and Hope has hurt her wee arm. Evelyn calls that attention seeking, and Cerberus is wearing a very fetching fluorescent vest.
0: Yes, he's wearing his raincoat, because it's raining. Mm-hmm. Everybody's wearing a raincoat, yep. but especially Cerberus. He Hope looks and- very cute. He's even got a wee hat on.
1: Hope is really playing up this sore arm thing uh, from her fall from a two-foot-high bench, and uh, Jade takes her to a room, which Ylvan calls rewarding bad behaviour. Jade tells Hope that she believes her, and she'll take her to the doctor tomorrow. On Friday, then, Jade is having breakfast with Hope and Roy's Rolls, they're going to go shopping, but there's something that Jade wants to show Hope on the way. Something that she needs to see. And Jade has explained that she's actually Hope's sister, but you can't tell Fizz.
0: Right. And Jade lies to Fizz and tells her that she's having fruit and porridge when she's actually eating a donut. And and Hope starts to laugh when she says that. Right. Yeah.
1: And Jade has taken Hope to the graveyard to see John stape's grave. Hope thinks this is brilliant and wants to bring flowers next time. Jade remarks that no one ever visited John, and they told lies about him. Jade insists that they're going to put things right, which sounds ominous.
0: Right, and that he's in heaven, teaching the angels to say their ABCs and stuff. So somebody has obviously been lying to Jade right. about what her father was and is. Correct. Yeah.
1: Jade mentions that she's figured out a way for them to be together, but she needs she, she might need to leave for a wee bit. Then she decides to take Hope to the hospital to get that arm checked out. At the hospital, Jade convinces Hope not to blame Ruby for her sore arm because uh, Ruby might get in trouble with the police.
0: Yeah, she might have to go to jail.
1: Mm -hmm, For pushing Hope off a bench. Yes. Because that's against the law. Yes. Hope agrees to blame a door slamming on her arm and Hope sticks sticks to the story and is going to get an x-ray and Jade now needs to tell Fizz. So Fizz arrives at the hospital surprised that Hope's arm is actually broken. She didn't think it was a big deal when she fell off the bench. The nurse is was confused. Wasn't there a door involved in this? Fizz says no, and that Hope has never been a kid to let the truth get in the way of a good story. Hmm, says the nurse.
0: Yes.
1: Back home, Fizz makes a big deal out of Hope and apologises for not believing her earlier. Fizz asks, Which
0: was really nice. You should always apologise to children. That yep. is That was good. Fizz good asks about the Fizz. door
1: thing when Jade comes in and announces that it's bath time. And privately, Jade is chuffed that Hope told her lie so well and she has plans for something else to happen. Very soon. Hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And Hope's like, can we can we include Ruby in it? And Jade's like, no. Three's a crowd. Three's a crowd.
1: Meanwhile, Evelyn doesn't know why Jade's even in the house, and Ty thinks that she's got a point. It's about time Jade moved on. Look- and
0: Evelyn accuses Jade of Munchausen Syndrome. Mm-hmm. Which was interesting. <laughs> I can kind is of that see it
1: hypochondria?
0: Well, it's it's hypochondria by proxy. Which means what? Munchausen <coughs> syndrome is like when parents will make their children sick for attention.
1: Oh, like the kid in the uh, sixth sense.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, So it's it's uh yeah by proxy. Um, hypo
1: hypochondria yourself. Yeah. This, this is you hypochondria
0: making. by proxy is, you know. Making somebody else sick or, you know, right. or stuff. Which is an interesting theory by by Evelyn, mm. you know, and I can see where she would come to that conclusion if she was unaware that Jade is this evil mastermind child of John State that nobody knew that he had another child. Right. Yeah.
1: So Fizz doesn't want to throw Jade out because she's kept quiet about the gun and Fizz thinks that they were big time. And mm-hmm. that's as far as we get with that story on this week. So... So what we're doing is we're painting Fizz and Tyrone, but particularly Fizz in a really bad light with the authorities that she can't right. she can't look after hope, that she's actually hurting her.
0: Right. Yeah. We and remember that, Jade those has those fake bruises that she painted on and then she took pictures of. Hope is going to spill though. She's gonna, she's gonna start. Tyrone's going to say or do something, and she's gonna shout, "You're not my real daddy. John Stape is my real daddy, and Jude, Jade is my sister." Blah blah blah. She's a little kid. Right. She can't keep a secret, especially with this big. Not yeah, not this. It's gonna slip.
1: Not this mon- monumental. I have a sister that I knew nothing about. Right. I'm amazed that she hasn't told Fizz already.
0: Or even at least Ruby. You'd think she would tell Ruby, her Mm. other sister, her true sister, who's very sweet. Even though she pushed her off a bench.
1: It's normally the other way around. It's normally Hope that's dishing out the the smackdown.
0: Yeah, but she doesn't typically smack down on Ruby. She smacks down on other stuff.
1: Mm. Archangel Gabriel for for one. (laughs) (laughs) Our final storyline tonight is Shona in a coma.
0: Oh, this makes me sad.
1: Portion. I think it would make me sad if it wasn't so cobbled together. Because she was fine. And then she, an the operating theatre, she had a bleed in the brain or something. And it's all kind of gone horribly wrong. N- from no,
0: she was fine. But then she had a bleed that they weren't aware of. And it was only when she, she stood up to go to the bathroom that everything came crashing down. And, and she fainted and that's when they you know, opened her back up and fixed that and realized that she'd gotten blood in the brain and, or a lock, lack of oxygen to the brain because mm. of this bleed and everything.
1: Yeah, Monday sees her in a pretty bad shape. David's at the hospital having a chat with the comatose Shona and Nick arrives to relieve David. He tells him to go home and get a wash and a change of clothes and the rest. And David sees sense and goes to leave. Nick tells him everything will be okay and by the way you stink. Back home David seems confused about a They're piece They're such of paper. brothers. Mm.
0: They're very brother.
1: Adam comes round to see David in lieu of Imran, who's in court. David shows him the paper. Get me out of this, he says. No can do, says Adam. You're fucked, pal. And David's back with Shona. He reveals what the piece of paper was all about. Uh, they want David to testify at Josh's trial. He says he can't do this on, he, on his own, and he pleads for her to wake up. And she doesn't. On Tuesday, on number eight, David has sent a text saying that he won't make it to the New Year party. It seems Gail has given it a body swerve too, and Leanne suggests that they take the party to him. I've kind of thrown the Daniel stuff in here because there wasn't enough of it to make its own storyline that Bethany kind of crosses over, so So Daniel Zabalos descend to celebrate New Year with him. It's a Christmas miracle, and Daniel's beard is getting there, I suppose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not awful. (coughs) It's not great. It's not awful, though.
1: Daniel Zabalos toast Daniel while the Platts sit around Shona's bed, surely pissing off. Surely pissing all over the two visitors per patient rule. While Bethany has a good grace to wait outside, yeah. on Wednesday, David's home from the hospital, and Gail forces him to talk about how he's feeling. Then he go- then goes off immediately to find chocolate biscuits. He feels helpless and hates talking and cliches. And Gail tries to help but fails.
0: But she does bring him some chalky biscuits.
1: She does eventually. And then she's doing the washing and singing Billy Joel when she finds David's uh, court summons and he's in his, his Jo-El. pocket.
0: Billy Joel. was lassie. You said Joel.
1: That's Joel, isn't it?
0: Yes. so lassie. We- Jo- Joelle. As said Noel? Yes, he said she's singing Billy Joel. Did I? Yes.
1: Shall I say that again? I can't
0: be <laughs> You don't like Billy Joel.
1: No, he's awful. Awful. Terrible human being. I'm oh. sure he's a fine human being. He's just an awful singer song. No, around. he's an awful human being. Is he? <laughs> is he really? I imagine he is. Yeah. You, you don't seem to know. You're looking that up as Billy Joel. (laughs) (laughs) David says that he's got enough in his plate with Shona Nakoma. She needs to, uh, she needs him to be with her at all times. For some reason, he says Gail doesn't think letting Josh off would be what Shona would want. And Nick is with Gail and worried about uh, David's decision. Give it a couple of months, and if he sees Josh wanting about, it'll drive him nuts. Gail asks that Nick speak with David. He might just listen to his big brother. And on Friday, David bumps into Daniel in Roy's roles. Daniel says that he's been in David's shoes, but David disagrees. Bethany gives David a hard time for not being nice to Daniel, and David tells her to go fuck herself. Uh, At the hospital, the Scotch doctor isn't sure is getting any better, although David believes the opposite. Then Nick and Gail arrive. Gail telling David to get home and change for court. David isn't keen, but Nick and Gail tell him he has to testify to make sure Josh doesn't rape more people. So David's gone to court after all. Josh isn't looking like a happy chappy in the dock. David explains how he was a good mate with Josh and didn't realise he was being groomed. He explains about being drugged and raped and Josh looks away uncomfortable. David talks about waking up and everything feeling wrong and he breaks down a little as he talks about the physical symptoms and how he couldn't report it to the police. He felt ashamed. Everything he thought he was, everything he believed in, was gone. He wanted to die and if it wasn't for Shona, he probably would have killed himself, he says. Back at the hospital, the nurse desperately needs to speak with David. It's about the scan, and it's not great news, or so it seems. Meanwhile, Bethany catches up with Daniel and Devs and apologises for David's behaviour. Daniel offers his ear to Bethany, and this is viewed by Peter. And Later, Peter catches up with Daniel in the pub and discusses the depths of this relationship. Daniel says that they're just mates and Peter's like, aye right. Now David has been asked questions by the defence. He admits that Shona didn't like him hanging around Josh two or three times a week and getting uh, helicoptered out of his trolley. Right. Nick gets a call from Gail and sneaks out, which throws David off a bit. The defence make a big deal of David's drinking and being lonely and wasn't this consensual. They accuse David of being bi-curious and feeling shame because of what it meant to his relationship. Okay. Nick comes back in and David asks to be excused. He knows that something's just happened at the hospital. Josh looks like this has all gone rather well, thank you very much.
0: Yeah, but it hasn't. I hope not. I th- and I think especially the whole my wife is in a coma, I need to go to her right now right. thing, I think will make an impact on the court because this awful solicitor is, is making it out like Shona is this awful cow who's, mm-hmm. you know, and who who David is not necessarily all that attached to, even though and keeps calling her his girlfriend when he keeps saying... We're married now. She's my wife. Mm-hmm. She's in a coma. And everybody is quite nice to let him just bugger off like that.
1: Right. I'm not sure that would happen in real life.
0: No. I don't think so.
1: It has to be said, though, Jack P. Shepard in those scenes in the... Uh, Brilliant. Quote, just stupendous.
0: Such a good actor. Ah. Oh, mwah.
1: That was amazing. Uh, So yeah, so back at the hospital, the nurse tells David that there's been no deterioration in Shona's condition, but this might be as good as it gets. They're going to try to remove the breathing tube to see how it goes, but Shona might not get any better than this. And David and Nick are sitting at Shona's bedside. David wishes that he hadn't testified and doesn't care about Josh getting off or whatever. He just doesn't care about anything other than Shona. Nick wants to play devil's advocate here and talks about Shona's quality of life. They have to talk about this. David will have some big decisions to make. But David ignores it and says that the two of them will walk out of the hospital together. And that is how we end this week's episode. As soon
0: as her maternity leave is over. Right.
1: So she's, That's when she'll uh, wake up. Do you think that they're just going to keep her in a coma for a while? Or do you think she's going to be sent off for specialist treatment in Scotland?
0: <laughs> no, I think she's going to be in a coma for the whole thing.
1: And just David goes off to see her every now and again.
0: Yeah. But we won't see that on camera anymore.
1: No. She'll be off having babies.
0: Yes. Good for her. Yes,
1: what do you think of the storyline then.
0: Ah, oh, it's heartbreaking. That's it is heartbreaking, isn't He's it? Really, really good though. Such good acting mm-hmm. and good writing. I have to say, good writing as well. Right. You know, and just the way that other solicitor was like tearing into him and stuff. Oh, I do not like her. She was awful. Yeah, she's
1: just just doing her job.
0: Right. Yeah, she's doing her job, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. Right. So, it was interesting. Ugh, oh, and I really hope Josh goes away forever. I didn't like having him back. He's awful. Yes. He's an awful human being.
1: He was stabbed not so long ago.
0: Yeah. Remember that? He was he sad. mentioned that. He was almost deed. Wait. And David saved his life. <coughs> I'm surprised that the prosecution didn't, you know talk about that and oh well if if you hated him so much, why did you save his life? <laughs> <laughs> why didn't you why, you know, why did you drag him to safety and then put season two of How I Met Your Mother on the TV and <laughs> and, and cuddle while you watched?
1: Yes. Why did you spoon? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah.
0: Netflix and chill.
1: As sad as it is, as it was given, like you said, the opportunity for Jack, Jack P. P. Shepard, Shepard to just show off his, his...
0: Chew on the scenery.
1: <laughs> his magnificent act Chops once more.
0: Yes, Coronation Street 27th. is very lucky that he signed another contract with them.
1: I think everyone involved in that was,
0: was huh? pretty good. Yes, absolutely. Nick was great. Yes, Nick was great. You know, and it's and it's great you see all of this growth in him because once upon a time he hated Shona. Mm-hmm. You know.
1: No, they didn't trust each other.
0: No, and once upon a time he and David were at one another's throats about Audrey's money and stuff. Remember that?
1: What, what, they were literally at each other's throats. Yes. Next to Lake. Yes. Yeah, the the he obviously cares for his brother a bit more than he Oh put a big yawn. Yes. Yeah, he obviously cares for his brother Absolutely a bit more now and it's Yeah.
0: I like the I like I like all of the flats. I even like Gail.
1: Well, let's not go that far. Oh. <laughs> you are holding on by a thread here, shall we? <laughs> shall we quickly move on to moment of the week? Yes, please. That's got to be Jack P. Shepard Jack P. Shepard and David and tes- court.
0: testimony. Absolutely.
1: That's our moment,
0: moment of, of the week. week. Moment of the week.
1: Your boring moment of the week.
0: Oh God. Um <sighs> Kev <laughs> Just Kev. <laughs> uh Kev talking to Sally about about darts. <laughs> was it there?
1: That darts thing uh, was funny though.
0: The darts thing was funny.
1: Ah. Uh, Oh, it was quite, but it was just showing off how boring Kev is, though. yeah, that works. That's it. Boring moment of the week.
0: Boring moment of the week.
1: It's good to be back. We have not recorded a podcast in what feels like forever.
0: I know, because we uh, we got all of common language recorded in one night because we had part one and part two. So we didn't even have a common language that we had to do over New Year's. We weren't recording in a... Uh, in a hotel room like we were last year.
1: Yeah, I think we should have brought this little Zoom thing along with us and and done a podcast. But it was fun not doing it. Yeah,
0: it was fun not doing it. Because I, I, I fully planned on catching up on emails and, and getting some work done during that week too and did not.
1: Catching up on emails?
0: Catching up on emails. Do you read emails? Yes.
1: I've got 16,000 unread emails in my inbox. That's because
0: you're a dick. You could delete you know you could delete the stuff that's and unsubscribe and stuff from things and just yeah, read the emails that are something. like from people. Mm-hmm. You tell people to send us emails and then you openly admit that you don't read emails.
1: Oh the all the uh, Corey podcast emails going in a separate mailbox that do check.
0: Yeah. Is that is that the only way that you'll ever read an email from me is if I send it to the Corey email? <laughs> Probably. You're a fanny. <laughs>
1: So if your mother has engaged in homosexual relationships with your work experience boss, you can send your notes and photographs to us. We're the, talk of the Street at gmail.com for email, for voicemails on Skype if anyone ever wants to do that. I promise I won't answer it. You can call us, it's fine. And on PayPal if you want to plop something in our virtual tip jar. We're at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. We will be back next week with more Talk of the Street. Bye. Cheerio.
0: This episode was brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donohue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today.